space, the final frontier. Space Station Ashland sits on the edge of Federation space with its companionship, the USS Dalamis Christian. The space around them is full of mystery and strange wonders, where secrets are kept and danger lurks around every corner. The crew of the Dalamis Christian must navigate treacherous waters as they work to protect the Federation. But as they peer into the unknown, they will discover that the line between friend and foe is not always clear. They will be tested like never before and will face challenges that will push them to their limits. Join us on this adventure as we explore the farthest reaches of space and uncover the hidden truths that lie within the shadows. Tabletop Journeys presents Star Trek Preservations. to Tabletop Journeys. I am Lee Inca, one of your three not-so-humble co-hosts. We are here to begin our actual play of Star Trek Adventures RPG by Modifius Entertainment. Specifically, this actual play will be known as Star Trek Preservations. We have a very large group of cast members, and we'll be running multiple sessions a month. We're really excited here at Tabletop Journeys, and I know our cast members are also excited to play this game. We've had about a month of prep, building characters, building ships, setting up backstories, and all of the things that go into a wonderful Star Trek Adventures game. If you have not had a chance to listen to those... Look in the description, you'll see links to our previous episodes, which will include excerpts from our session zeros, specifically relating to character building and details on how to play the Star Trek Adventures RPG game. With that, I'm going to introduce us to our cast in no particular order other than my screen and Joe. Hi, everyone. I am Joe Harney. I will be playing the character of Sabian Tobar who is a trill in his mid-30s, and he wears the, right now, as a cadet at the Academy, he's wearing the double hollow pips of the Accelerated Command Training Program. David. Hello, I'm David Rideau. I'm playing Cadet Ivian Tanari. He, him, and I'm Dorian Cadet, currently on the engineering track. Scott. Hello, my name is Scott Core. I'll be playing the character of Sean Solari, a human colony kid who is now a cadet. And on the science technology. Excellent. And last but not least, Jen. Hi, I'm Jen Zamora, and I am going to be playing Arza Jakai, who is on the command flight deck track. She is Arza Jakai of Bajor. However, she has got the typical nose ridges and then ridges along here and down her sides and has pale grayish skin. Take from that what, what you will. will. <laughs> Excellent. As we begin this series, our cast members, our crew, as it were, are cadets in their final year 
at Starfleet Academy, specifically towards the end of their final year. They are actually about to take a series of tests and evaluations along the lines of the Kobayashi Maru. That's an examination that they have already taken, but they've concluded that examination. They've been evaluated. They are now taking other evaluations along those lines. These are all in holodecks. So the the crew members are aware that they are in a testing situation, but they are also prepared to handle it as though it were real life. While it is a drill, it is a drill that's important. These evaluations are critical in their advancement in Starfleet as how they perform, the way they perform will largely affect how they are stationed and upon which ships they are stationed. So it is very important. They are all in it to win it, so to speak. This particular group, a portion of Team Epsilon, have spent a lot of their year together or in each other's orbit. So they are all aware of each other. They've had luncheons together on occasion. There have been conversations. Some may or may not be closer than others. We'll find that out during gameplay. But most importantly, they have been singled out. There is one instructor, Commandant Pritchard, who has basically hand-selected a group to try a new program that will be set up to evaluate future cadets. So this is the first time that this simulation has been run at Starfleet Academy. So you are the inaugural group to go through this simulation. And it is a program of the Commandant's own creation. He is a veteran of the Dominion War. He has a number of accolades to his credit, but he's a relatively private individual, not known to be particularly friendly or have a large amount of friends. But he does have some clout and some pull within the Academy and within Starfleet itself. They don't have a lot of commandants. Usually people are admirals or captains. Commandants are a rarer rank within Starfleet. And it is usually an indication of issues and successes or successes and enemies. But you've all been singled out by him. For variant reasons, you may even have the opportunity to ask him about that. We are coming into we are coming into this in media res. You've all been assigned assigned to your ship, which is in the Alcona sector, and you're looking for the U.S. Alcubri, which has been lost. At this point, you've been assigned the following positions. Cadet Tabor will be acting as the ship's commanding officer. Cadet Tanari acting as the ship's engineer. Cadet Arza is the flight con. And Cadet Solari is the operations officer. At this point, you are receiving a message from Starfleet Command. I see Starfleet Command is lagging a little bit in their communications. We are that far away from the nearest relay station. Sorry, sir. We appear to be encountering some subspace interference. Some spatial anomalies appear to have popped up. Yes, Chief Tenari, see if you can't clear up, boost some gain to the signal. I'll try to see if I can reroute auxiliary power to communications. 
that happens without difficulty, and that is just enough given your distance from the relay station to allow that signal to come through. Uh, we are in the remote Ilacona sector, investigating the disappearance of the Alcubre in an unpopulated region of space. There was, however, a promising lead, and your ship has been dispatched to the vicinity. Long-range sensors detected a vessel and the presence of subspace interference. You should note that this ship was several parsecs outside of Federation territory, and they were on a special assignment testing new engine systems designed to exceed Warp 5 without damaging subspace. We can only assume that something has gone wrong with those experiments. Your mission is to locate the ship, rescue any crew that may be endangered, ascertain the issues, and, of course, return any scientific findings from the experiment or whatever seems to have gone wrong. And the obligatory, are there any questions with these orders, Captain? Standard search and rescue protocol, I believe, is in order here. Barring any idea what that subspace interference. Flight, do we have an estimate on about how long it will take us to reach the coordinates at a safe speed? Am I making this up as I go, or would I have th- that information, Leonika? <laughs> you, you, it would take you very little time and little effort to figure that out to come up with that information. Okay. Am I looking somewhere? Oh, one to three hours. Sorry. I got overlap on those two screens so I could see our faces <laughs> and what's going on. Nope, and I sacrificed nope. the chat. <laughs> I do the same things from time to time. Fear not. All right. Very good. Ops reply to Starfleet Command that we've received our orders and they are acknowledged. Reply side, Captain. Thank received. you. Arza, take us, put us on heading to the unknown detected vessel. And while in flight, Chief, I think maybe we can try and see if we can't clear up any of this subspace interference and get a better look at what we're going to find ourselves into in the next couple hours. Let's see what we can do. Setting course, Captain. Excellent. Engage. Oh, that doesn't feel right. Make it so... Really? You're going to come up with a tagline now, Captain? You'll figure it, You'll figure it out, Captain. I don't know it. Nothing. Okay. 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 We can work on it after the mission. I'll work on it. Yeah. Best speed. Yeah. No, I gotta work on that. Here, hit it. Uh, uh, I'll find, I'll figure something out. It's okay. Excellent. So at this stage, because you do have this, these strange or the subspace interference, and it does seem to be all over the region, like permeating the region. For our listeners and whatnot, so I'm assuming you're about to tell us that this subspace interference is a trait that's going to apply a minus plus one difficulty to a lot of things, right? Correct. Correct. It is throughout the region. It is definitively unique and odd. While there is many different things that happen in the vast reaches of space that would qualify as subspace interference, this seems slightly different. It is not something you've studied before, 
and it is affecting lots of different systems in lots of different ways. You're not at this stage aware of all of them, but you are aware that it is impacting communications at the very least because of subspace. Theory would have it that it's likely to impact or affect other systems as well. You may not know it until you try a system and then it may not function to peak efficiency, or you can spend some time trying to get a handle on what might be effective and flight. Is that something I can work on during the trip to try to see if I can filter out the subspace interference? Absolutely, you can. You, As the engineer, you can try to figure out what systems might be impacted or affected. Ops would be better at determining what systems are being affected. Once you get that information, you would then be able to work on solutions in some form of priority order. Typically, ops actually assigns that priority order, but that's a discussion between ops and the captain. The captain may have something that they want to be a bigger priority than others. But So we can start this particular task. Because of the, the interference itself, I'm going to assign that with a, an additional bit of difficulty. So we're going to say we need two successes on this particular task. And so with that ops, you would have the opportunity to determine what systems are impacted with two successes. So you're going to be building your dice pool and go from there. Okay, so I would request to the captain. Captain, I've noticed that there seems to be some type of localized subs subspace interference and permission to begin to analyze and determine the, the impact on the systems. Absolutely. Go ahead and work with science and engineering, see what you can do. I think my gut, unless anyone else has any other suggestions, I think focusing on getting sensors clear, want to be able to see as clearly as possibly, as quickly as possibly, and then any defensive and then offensive systems, like communications and so on and so forth. Understood, Captain. See, run, fight. That's the order. Excellent. So at this stage, Scott, how would you describe your way of analyzing or what are you going to be using and how are you going to be using it? And then I would assign what attributes and disciplines are involved. And then you would build with that, you build your dice pool and you would, and you would roll. My character would probably start to use his terminal to try to determine the, the, subspace interference and compare it to what is considered the norm for the area, determine what the what the increase is, find out how it affects sensors versus previous known sensor readings for the area. Okay. All right. And in that particular case, I would say that would be a reason and science role. So you would then add your reason attribute and your science attribute. That would be the number to determine your success. You would roll 2d20 unless you have a specific focus and or talent that or talent that might allow you extra dice or whatever in in, the, in those rolls. And we have zero momentum to start with right now, correct? No. So I start with threat. Players don't start with momentum. Excellent. I am going to put the threat on the board. Give me one second. Dun, dun, dun. Dun, dun, dun. Dun, dun, dun. And for any of you who've seen our our episodes, Michael, it, we it now begins, <laughs> and I get two for every player. Is that correct? That is correct. 
One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. Look, I have a total of 15, 11 reason for science. Okay, so you're going to roll your 2d20. You need two successes, which means if you roll under 15 on either die, each of those rolls. And 11. So that would be your two successes. So you will know what systems are impacted. The systems that are impacted specifically are sensors, communications, transporters, and there will be effects and difficulties to, to warp higher warp speeds, but you can still use those. Captain analysis shows that on sensors. Air's fine, Joe, because I can always cut if it doesn't fit narratively into what we're doing. And as we're going through a starter thing, that that uh, that'll work. So you had mentioned you needed to roll below your number. It's actually that number equal to or lower. So a fifteen okay. would have been a success for you, Scott. Oh, thank you for the clarification. Okay, Captain, sensors, comms, transporters, and it looks it appears we would have difficulty warping at higher speeds, according to the analysis. More information would be required in order to determine at what speeds we would be able to warp. Engineering, do yes. you work on seeing what's interfering with our higher warp capabilities? I can certainly get to work on that, see what I can figure out. Yeah. Arza, your experience with at the con, you want to give the chief an assist on seeing what, how much juice we can squeeze out of her? I can certainly try. Excellent. All right. So what this means in this particular case, I'm going to ask David playing Engineer Tanari to go ahead and yes, I'll get to your question in just a second, Scott. And again, ask a similar question. Tell me how you're going to approach this particular problem, what what tools or systems you're going to use to get to it, and how you're going to do it. I will then assign the abilities that links up with that and assign the correct systems that will generate your success or failure number. And then, Jen, you will have the opportunity to roll a single D20 because you're assisting but you also have the opportunity to discuss your approach to helping. So I will give you a success or failure number separate from his. And then if you get a success, that adds to his total successes. And Lee, do remember because Jennifer's play character is, has the role of flight engineer or flight controller, yep. she can use her con score in replace of engineering whenever she's doing anything that has to do with the ship engines or ship flight yep absolutely that's that that is specific and unique to your role because that's how you interact with the ship okay and i believe and i apologize i did not do this for you scott if you're using the ship systems i should have been rolling or one of your fellow players should have rolled for the ship itself in that case because that's a ship systems role which might have generated momentum so because we haven't moved on to another challenge we're going to grab that right now joe as the ceo i'm going to let you roll for the ship we are in it's the starter set what type of ship do they give you do they even say give me one second i know you're looking for an oberth class but do they even tell you what kind of ship you're on in the starter set? I don't think they do. In this case, we are going to go with a stock space frame, the Sabre. 
All right. Do you have that on hand, or should I bring that up for us? I can pull it up real quick. While you do that, I'm going to bring it up so I have it as well for the sake of expedience. Now, of course, the stock space frame, uh, the stats are modified by whatever mission profile the ship has. So the numbers I have are, I've got the computer, the base computer skill is nine. And then I'll let you figure out what the department modification is for the mission profile for that space trip. This would be patrol. Maneuverable. Just like I like it. All right, here's something. Yep. I'll read out Scott's role. Yes, it would be computer... Science? Uh, yes. All right, so computers of nine, science of two. I'm looking for an 11 or better. And a one or a two is a critical success because the ship always counts as though it has a focus. It applies. Well, I rolled a 19, so it's not a complication, but it also is not a success. All right. Too much All interference. And I didn't mention it. This is also because we're in the interference and it's a, it is not your typical subspace interference that one might encounter. It is going to be a difficulty of two. I should have mentioned that beforehand. My apologies for not saying so. Oh, it was difficulty one increased by one because of the interference. Correct. Yep. So we needed two successes. David, your approach? My approach, I'm going to try to adjust the warp field configuration to match the local subspace conditions. Oh. See if we can make the ship move more smoothly through the local space. Excellent. Now, I uh, have a focus of warp field dynamics. I believe that applies here. It cer certainly does. And if I've read the rules correctly, that means every success I get counts as two. If you, the roll of your die is equal to or less than your department skill on the task you're doing. So if you're in, what is your engineering skill? My engineering is four. So if you roll a one, two, three, or four, that counts as a critical success. Gotcha. Instead of just one. Gotcha. That's actually pretty spiffy. <laughs> yeah. What am I rolling? So you're going to roll your 2d20. And of course, so you're going to do your reason and engineering skill. So add those two numbers. That's a 14. You're rolling less than 14 on your 2d20. A 3 and a 10. So that's three Excellent. successes. Excellent. And, and actually, ship yep, ship assist. All right. And then, and then Lieutenant Cadet does well, right? Yep. So we get a ship assist and Arza's assist. Arza, what was your approach to assisting? Since I have a focus in astral navigation and I probably have an in, I, you know, I'm watching the con and the sensors, I'm sorry, ops and the sensors, I want to try to find the clearest path. Okay. All right. That, to me, sounds like control and con. Okay. So I tell you what my total is between the two or you want the, those two numbers separate? The, those two numbers added up. So added, that's a 15. So 15 equal to or less than is a success. 
With 2d20s? One, because you're assisting. I'm always interesting. That was an 18. Your assist, however, did not add a whole lot of assist. It was a good effort, though. And then can the ship use its ability for engines and its flight con? Absolutely. Figure out. Okay, so engines and con is a 15, and we got a 4. Since the ship's con is a 5, that counts as a critical success as well. So two successes and... We have a total of five successes. Which means we have three momentum for the team. And for those in the listening audiences, momentum is effectively narrative currency that can be used to bet to the benefit of the players in various scenes to move scenes forward. So we're going to go ahead and for my players using our VT that we see, we're going to add momentum. With a little bit of work, a little bit of effort, you're able to find a way to configure things, modify your work signature that's going to let you move through this space unfettered. Basically, you have no complications at achieving any warp speed that you desire within the capabilities of your ship, unless you would do something that would garner other reasons for complications or stresses or things of that nature. You're absolutely fine. Your ship will operate as per spec in this space. So that problem has been solved. You're about an hour into the journey between figuring out how to do that, reconfigure systems and get that set up. Things are moving pretty smoothly. Now that you've fixed that problem, you're going to get there a little bit faster than the original estimates. You're going to be in the vicinity you're hoping to be in in about an hour. So you do have time to work on one other issue that that has presented itself with this localized subspace phenomena. I think at this point, seeing more clearly is probably more important. We do have a skilled flight officer, so transporters aren't working. We've got the runabouts that we can use. So ops, if you can work with science to clear up any of the interference to sensors, I think that's where we should focus our efforts for our remaining. Hi, Captain. At this point, your science officer, one of your fellow cadets, not one of your Team Epsilon members, but one of your fellow cadets who's part of this exercise, is very capable. All Starfleet officers are capable, so you have no worries about their competence in their position. However, the four of you players are the rock stars of your graduating class, right? You're among the rock stars of your class. You find that folks look to you for direction. They look to you for inspiration. There are people in your class that they hang in the lunchrooms near you guys because they just want to Get a little of that afterglow kind of thing. You are the cool kids. We're all Star Trek geeks here. I don't know if any of us have ever truly experienced that in our lives before, but this is the dream here. He really looks to you to kind of lead the way. You will be effectively directing the science officer as far as how you would like, what avenue you would like him to pursue. I'll definitely take care of the dice and his roles and whatnot, but he's going to be looking to you for direction. I have a science of four, so if I need to, I can actually... It's my secondary specialty. So I'll pop out of the captain's chair, walk up around the rail, and, you know, well, buddy, here's what I'm thinking. If we can counteract the subspace interference and f- determine whether or not the interference has any kind of signal randomness or if there's a pattern we can pick out and try and implement a counter uh, algorithm so that the sensors can filter this out. I, Captain. 
the science officer here, they're Tellerite, who's really young Tellerite. And Tellerites have a very wrinkled expression, so they always look older than they are. But this one, for some reason, just looks like a kid. Like, this is the Sheldon Cooper of Tellerites. He's, like, way beyond his years at this point. But very good. His particular science field is botany, by the way. So it is not what you're dealing with, but he's very good with plant matter. Well, and I'll just – I'll put my hand on his shoulder and just read the reassuring gesture, and I'm like – Think of it just cell division. We're trying, and I'll give him a metaphor that, like, is botany related that may get to the concept of what I'm looking for as much as possible. I I like where you're going. I think that would be a presence command role. Difficulty's only one on this one, but I like where you're going with that. So, So I have the talent advisor so that when I assist another character with a command discipline, they may re-roll one die. Okay. So I think it probably would make most sense for him to act, him to do the science role. Okay. Me to assist him. And then he just gets that re-roll if need be. Yes. Okay. Fair and, enough. And then assisted by the ship sensors. And if we can get an assist from ops as well, That'd okay. be great. So that's going to be, we've already determined it's going to be two. So we have reason and science. He's, uh, his goal is going to be 13. And we are definitely taking a reroll here. And he only gets to reroll one die. Is that correct? That is correct. As Scott can attest, I have been rolling poorly now going on. 16 hours. <laughs> I will get uh, you a dismembered chicken foot to remove the curse from your hand. I mean, there's some serious bad mojo rolling through my veins. This actually bodes well for you overall, unless you have me rolling for an NPC. <laughs> yeah. You were talking about Will Wheaton earlier. That's why. You don't yeah. touch Will Wheaton when he's been playing with dice. <laughs> oh. So, this has been going on since last night. My highest role playing DCC last night was a nine. Which is like, good. We want you to roll low. Yes, but now it's doing the opposite because my high three die rolled so far. My lowest roll was a 17. <laughs> so I have a logist, logistical question. Because of the way the task system works, yep. you can only assist the main character if the main character rolls one or more successes. Did that occur? Did you get he, he did not roll any successes. Okay, so then my assist would not help. No, oh, okay. the ship. Okay, and then ops would also not be able to help because he was basically not able to break that at this time. Okay, so we're just so, sensors are screwed. Yep, sensors are. You've got them, but they are not strong. What I love about Star Trek Adventures is there's always the fail forward. Like, narratively, you can always fail forward. People are always competent. So while he is not able to get sensors working wonderfully, as you've been able to do with your warp systems and engines and your flight control, all of that, what he is able to do is, in a very short, localized area, sensors will function mostly normal. They will still have a difficulty, but they will function. Your range, however, is very short. Basically, if we were in a combat scenario, your sensors are only working short range. 
and medium range. So you've got nothing beyond medium range if you were in a combat scenario. So you don't have long range eyes. You don't know what's coming at you or whatever, but you can see things enough to be able to maneuver. You don't have to worry about running into an asteroid or, or some, or a space station. That's not going to happen. You're not blind out here, but for right now you have entered the vicinity. So Lee, let me, Thinking because my character very wants to have all the situational awareness that he has. And as the commanding officer role, I can grant another character a point of determination if I can communicate with them. And one of the, one of the things you can use determination for is to re-roll a failed dice pool. Okay. So I'm thinking I'm going to spend my determination because the galaxy is a dangerous place is one of my values i'm gonna we're gonna walk back through the algorithm you know do this one and i'm gonna have them re-roll both of those dice okay we have one success great that lets me assist with a two let me see i've got lead by example or strategy tactics as focuses would either of those work? Your background is science because that was there. So I would say lead by example would work in this case. Okay. And that'll be a, that's within my five for, oh, and go ahead. Nope. We already used the reroll from advisor. So never mind. But this two is a critical success. So that's two successes for me. So it's three. And the ship would be needing to roll what to assist? I assume sensors. Sensors. Sensor science. All right. That's 12 or less. 17. And then ops. Can ops assist as well? Are we allowed to player assists and the ship? It's up to the GM and whatever makes narrative sense. I'm down with that. It's a teamwork effort. Uh, What do I need to roll under? What's your approach? So I would probably uh, it would probably be also reason in science or reason engineering. Okay. I like the idea of coming up with a theory and you are... One of my values is, but it's just a theory. Excellent. Go ahead and you're correct, reason and uh, science in this case. So go ahead and okay. make that roll. Now, how do the focuses impact my, uh, my roles? So if you have a focus that applies, any die roll that's equal to or less than your discipline would count as a critical. Okay. So I have focuses in astrophysics, warp theory, quantum mechanics, and temporal mechanics. Which of those would apply to this scenario? Probably astrophysics or quantum? Uh, uh, (laughs) It's all Newtonian here. Any of the above, we'll go with quantum today. Okay. (laughs) Unfortunately, that's a 17. We got three successes, though. Just a theory. Oh, we know this doesn't work. And that's that's valuable information to have. We've got one more adding to the momentum pool. And you are able to clear up sensors so you can see where the ship is. You're able to get close. By the time you get there, you can tell that there are life signs, but the subspace interference does make it challenging to get a lot of specifics. 
Transporters will simply not work in this environment. There's not really a lot of time because the ship does appear to be damaged and losing power. There are full sections that are without life support. At this point, it's up to you how you would like to approach. Very good. So I assume we've scanned the vicinity and there's no initial threat, right? There's no hidden space aliens or random fleets of Orions waiting to ambush us that we can see? There, there are no known threats in the vicinity. Everything looks relatively calm in your area. You basically have a derelict ship with no particular reason why it would be derelict. You can tell that there is damage to the ship internally your sensors are picking up systems are offline there are things that are not working it is in bad shape how about life Uh, signs signs but we can't get a clear reading can't get a clear reading so there's no numbers and there isn't even specific locations at this point without transporters your best bet is to somehow get personnel on board the ship and actually do a deck by deck search all right, Arza, fire up the shuttles. Captain, an idea. There. How about if we head over there with some pattern enhancers? Maybe we can get people off faster. Yeah, that's a good idea. In fact, I want you on the away team, Chief. Understood. With Arza, Mr. Solari, would you join the away team as well? I chalk bridge to sick bay. We're going to need a, a away team medical staff. Hi, Captain. We'll have them meet you in the shuttle bay. Very good. So I don't know who's the XO for this scenario. Johnson. Mr. Johnson, I'm going to take the way team on this one. I want you once keep the ship on yellow alert and keep a high lookout for any possible threats and see and continue working with science and operations to see if we can't figure out what's causing this subspace interference. This feels I don't know. It feels non-natural to me. But it's just a gut instinct that Tobar has. Should I bring a couple of extra engineers with me or just us? Uh, let's see how many can fit in the shuttle. You have a runabout, so there's probably room. You're, the person who's doing security for this exercise says... Oh. Sir, I would prefer that we have at least one security personnel with you. With yeah. you, sir. But, sir, uh, do we know the crew complement of the ship we're uh, supposed to be rescuing? It, it's an Oberth class ship. It would have had a skeleton crew for its exercises. It was actually supposed to be back three days ago. They weren't expected to be ga- gone long, and they just didn't report back. So they're not a large amount of folks. A shuttle with the pattern enhancers, you should be able to get folks back very quickly. Yeah, let's let's get the security. Let's get two security, two engineers, plus ops flight chief engineer and myself. I think that'll make us be a comfortable ride over into the runabout. Excellent. And Mr. Johnson, you have the con. Head to the turbo lift. All right. <clears throat> Gather our tools and pattern enhancers and meet them in the shuttle bay. You said two security, two engineers, or two security, one engineer? One engineer plus the chief. Okay. And I would have slipped out ahead of everybody to get down there and set up a flight configuration on that runabout. 
in this exercise, you have three different runabouts at your disposal. You have the medical runabout, you have the gunship runabout, and you have the sensor runabout that were designed by your team under the auspices of the commandant. Which of the runabouts would you be selecting? Because you're the okay. flight comm officer. And if the CO didn't mention which one, it's your call. You said the medical one, the, the medical one, the weapons array one, basically, you said? Yep. And what was the third? It's a sensor suite. Like, it has very enhanced and highly tuned sensors. I actually have a thought. Is there... I will choose... I will choose the Flying Hospital. Okay. But when he gets downstairs, I'm going to suggest to the captain... (laughs) Turn the lift doors open. Because the shuttle bay on the Sabre class is actually at the front of the ship. Yep. It's a very short hop down there. So. Yep. It's actually two decks down from the... No, one deck down. I think it's deck three. And the bridge is on deck two on the Sabre. Captain, I want to take this runabout. However, I, I, is there any way that we can run the, sh- the ship sensors through this runabout's array to enhance... That's, you know what? That's actually a really. In fact, I have a modification. Uh, Captain, <laughs> Mr. Johnson. Yes, sir. Mr. Johnson, since we don't know what's going on here, let's get full crews in all three runabouts and let's deploy the runabouts in a combat air patrol formation. Get, we'll get one of them outside, see if we can't get any enhanced sensor breeds, and having the, ex- the other one out there. It make me feel a little better having someone watching our back. Aye, sir. We got him. Might as well use him. For the audience who may not have caught our session zeros, in Star Trek Adventures, players get to not only make their characters, they also get to make supporting characters, which you will be introduced as the game carries on in future episodes, but they also get the opportunity to make their starship. Now, because of the specific nature of this unfolding story, the actual hero starship was not made by the players, so I gave them the opportunity to make the shuttles that can that would be used on various missions in concert with the ship. So three runabout-styled vessels have been created, ground up, by the players with various mission capabilities and profiles. One of those is, as described, a gunship. (laughs) It is basically a platform, a weapons platform that flies at warp. This particular vessel is known as the USS Tank Abbott. There is a ship whose mission profile would be more as a hospital vessel, has advanced medical, advanced medical bays, things of that nature an advanced sick bay within it. That is the USS Loch Ness or the Nessie. Then there is a ship who has high resolution sensors and that would be the USS Eagle. So oh, those are Eagle the three Eye. that they have at their disposal. Excellent. All right. So with that, the your away team is aboard the hospital vessel. Your con officer is able to Exit the starship, no problems, no rolls required, and you are on your way 
while you're on board this ship, you are able to fly without a whole lot of difficult, but you do have to plot a course through the subspace interference and through this area of space as you're plotting this course. Azari, how would you approach this particular task? Let's see. So again, one of my focuses is on navigation. So it, I'd be leaning on that. Okay. So in this particular case, I guess we would say that would be a control con roll. So I need to get lower than my 15 again. On two die this time or still yeah, one? Yeah, two die because you're the active player. Before you roll, because we do have, what, four momentum? You may want to consider spending one momentum to be able to roll a third, ex- one extra dice, so you'd roll three dice. And this is shared momentum, right? Do we all agree yep. on that? Yep. Okay. Right on the ship as well, correct? We're all on yeah, our we're on the ship. And yes, I agree that we should probably do this. <laughs> yes. I do not want to run into navigational hazards, right? So two are under my total. Very and good. The third and one then- is above. Okay. Perfect. And then of your two that succeeded, how many are equal to or less than your con discipline? One below my con so discipline. Because you have the focus, right? That would count as a critical two successes. Okay. That's three successes on your die roll. Does it matter that my control and my con together are 15 and I rolled a 14 and a four? So, yes, because anything 15 or under counts as a single success. Okay. Because you have a focus, anything equal to that discipline or less counts as two successes. You would have had two successes. You have three total successes. You're almost always, as the active player, going to roll two dice. It's really about spending momentum or if you've got a specific talent or specific consideration that might add an extra die in there to give you more. But you're almost always going to roll two as the active player. I rolled a two for the ship. Okay. Now the ship may have gotten a critical depending on what its department score is. Oh Which no. Which department were we using? Engineering? Well, it's only a one, so it has to be the natural. Success. So that's four total successes on this particular task. Yeah. Because it was a task difficulty of one, that is three momentum. So effectively, Jen, what happened here is spent one momentum to generate three momentum. Now, quick question, Lee Wanika. Was the difficulty zero and then the subspace interference made it difficulty one? Or was it one difficulty two? It was zero, subspace made it one. And I should clarify that a little better. Thank you for mentioning it. But essentially, I'm going with the final difficulty number as opposed to the mathematics leading to the difficulty number. That's just the way my head is working. Right. No, but I just want to keep everyone, including our audience, that we've got this negative subspace interference trait on the scene that's increasing the difficulty. Generally speaking, flying from a ship to another ship in a shuttle, zero difficulty. We're not rolling die for that. It's the existence of the problem that's creating the need to make that roll. So let me go ahead and adjust our momentum. We're adding three. So we're full up at six. Great job, Arza. Nice flying. You're able to go ahead and land in the shuttle bay. 
It is open and accessible. The force field seems to be in place, so there's no problem with that. So you're able to land safely, and you can definitely see there has been some form of chaos in the area. I Because there was damage to the ship, just as an aside, as a gee whiz, in case it comes up, I will have backed into my spot for a quick getaway. Okay. And you will notice that its shuttle bays are empty. There are emergency lighting that seem to be flickering on and off. I'll have security run a check on environmental life support systems before we crack open the hatch. Just to always test to make sure the air is breathable. So they're able to pretty quickly determine air is breathable. Gravity is Earth standard. There's dust in the air. Life support is nominal in that it's a little on the chilly side, as well as the air is mildly thin, but it is not anywhere near danger levels. There were some attempts to use power from life support and put it elsewhere while still keeping life support functional. In other words, the ship is finally a decent temperature. Uh, I was going to look over to the chief and I'm like, hey. Ours just starts shivering. <laughs> no need to be a hero, Arza. You can grab a parka out of the emergency kit. <laughs> <laughs> With that, the scene comes to a close. You are on board the Alcubri. Hey there, travelers. Do you want early access to all of our episodes? How about exclusive content, live broadcasts, and the chance to throw dice with your favorite hosts and fellow fans? You can do all that by signing up for our Patreon at www.patreon.com slash ttjourneys. But wait, there's more. For the next month, you can get a free coffee mug for signing up at the Adventurer level, plus Adventurer level Patreons automatically get complimentary copies of our latest book, The Traveler's Guide to the Multiverse, available on DM's Guild. We love doing this show for y'all, and your support helps us keep creating and producing great content for you. We have tiers to fit any budget for a monthly commitment, so join us today at www.patreon.com slash ttjourneys. The away team has landed in the shuttle bay. There are several phenomena that are happening on board the ship, so I'm going to give you the local things that are happening so you are aware of how that's going to impact various actions you're going to engage in throughout this section of the adventure. One, the subspace interference is such that your comm badges will not be working. If you split up, you are on your own. All right, don't get lost, anyone. Tricorders will only function on things that are within arm's reach. So you can't do any distant scans, but you can use a tricorder to scan something if you're pretty much adjacent to it or in contact with it. Emergency lighting. This particular trait increases difficulty by one for all ranged weapon attacks and tasks to observe or identify characters or objects at medium range and beyond. So if it's at medium range and you're trying to observe it, observation is part of that thing, that difficulty will be increased by one. Disabled. Most ship systems are offline. This affects turbolifts, doors, transporters, sensors, communications, replicators, 
warp and impulse engines. Life support and other vital functions are operational, but at auxiliary power. And that power is, while not imminently fading, it is fading. Very good. So I turn to the whoever's filling in for our medical officer, since it's not the Orion. And I say, so medical standard search and rescue protocols. I think we need to make our way to main engineering and see if we can't stabilize the power situation is one of our first priorities. I'm leery it's splitting up. So I think we should all make our way to main engineering and start our search and rescue efforts from there. Any other any other input? Can we assume we've downloaded ship schematics to our tricorders? Yes. Okay. It's a standard one other... over, so you'll know direction won't be an issue. You just won't have access to turbo lifts. Qu- environmental question. You went through a lot of stuff there. I did not hear some asking. Is there any indication of what threat level the, sh- the ship was at? As systems are down, you would not have access to that information at this time. So, in other words, the red alert lights are not flashing. No, because we're on total auxiliary power. So, if they were Copy flashing, that. they wouldn't be. They wouldn't be now. But Copy um, that. good question. Good point. One observational question. Yep. The damage that we see so far. Does it look environmental or combat? Mm, give me one second. In here, it does not look... You don't see the damage in here specifically, other than the outer shuttle bay doors, the physical doors, were open. Unusual under these circumstances. And there are, there were no Alcubri shuttles at all here. That would be one difficulty. You do have the ability, however, if you want, you could close those outer doors... That's something you could you could definitely do if you wanted to. When we were coming in, we got a chance to survey the damage. Did any of them look like any of the damage on the ship? Any look like combat damage? There was no external damage to the ship. Okay. Oh, you had said there was before the breaks. So that's okay. uh, you saw damage externally, but it was not from external. There were ex- basically things inside that blew outside. Okay. Oh. Do you want me to close the shuttle bay doors or we want to leave them open in case we need to bug out quickly? I'm leaning towards leaving them open for a quick getaway. What are your thoughts? That's my preference, so long as we remember to keep the... Uh, keep yeah. the masking on standby. I was going to say the... Uh, force field. Force fields. Thank you. Words that don't want to work. The force field's up. Or at least the, this one, so that we can get out. Otherwise, we're going to have a hard time getting back to the shuttle. What are the ranges on our comm badges? They're non-existent. I have some string and some cups. <laughs> How about emergency tr- transporter transponders? How What kind of range could we get on them in this? So you mean if you were outside the doors of the shuttle bay, could you beam into the shuttle? Yes. Okay. For the same reasons, the subspace is messing with angular confinement, which is not – it basically makes transporting – remarkably dangerous without that angular confinement beam working at at least 98 percent efficiency you are delving into the 65 to 70 percent range it is famously bad if you do not have adequate angular confinement to use a transport we do have the pattern buffers if things get too bad the pattern enhancers correct just make sure we don't leave them on the ship so we're gonna grab them with us to head to main engineering 
security. Each of them will take two of the four pattern enhancers that you have. Basically, they just put them on straps so they're strapped on. All right. Let's get this show on the road. All right. As you are working your way through the, the shuttle bay, you hear a beep, and there's an active console awaiting a command. It's echoing in this part of the shuttle bay, and it is in basically the shuttle bay control room. So there's a bit of a sealed room. There's a door there. There's glass, so anybody in the control room is looking out over the shuttle bay. And you can see, while even though it's dark, you can see there's a console that's lit up, and that is definitely the sound of a system waiting for an execution command. Sean, you want to get it? Check that one out? Hi, Captain. All right. The doors are stuck half open. Is there enough room for me to squeeze through or do I need to? Yeah, you can definitely squeeze through. Okay. Surveying the room, do I see any type of damage or is anything out of the ordinary? The light of the console inside the room reflects off the windows overlooking the shuttle bay. There's nobody in here. However, this is where the shuttle bay doors were opened from. Auxiliary controls are locked out, and they have been rerouted to main engineering. So whoever operated that shuttle bay probably didn't do so from here. Basically, they were auto. You're able to determine no difficulty, but they were autopiloted out of the ship. Am I within visual of the party, or are they able to hear me? Are they within earshot? Yep, the door's open, and you're in visual. Okay, I'll, I'll shout out and relay that it appears that it was re- things were rerouted to main engineering. Am I able to determine what command the the console is awaiting? Uh, close main doors or shuttle bay doors. Basically, if you open the shuttle bay doors, there's okay. the next logical command is to close them at, because the, the goal is not to have an open vent into space, bar, lest something happen. Basically, it was just waiting to close the door. Um, am I able to access the system for any other information, or is that system pretty... Everything's locked, locked out, command overrides, everything has been routed to engineering. Okay, if I'm not able to do anything else at the console, nothing else is missing the room, then I'll return to the awaiting party and relay my findings. Okay. So... Quick background question, and if not, we can use some momentum to create this. Usually in a search and rescue type scenario, if at all possible, the team's provided with command access codes and that kind of stuff. But I know we only got the text message. Were we able to get the command codes for this ship ahead of time? Yes, you can spend momentum at this stage to get some additional information or glean some more information. But yes, you would have the command codes necessary to do whatever you may need to do on board the ship. I don't need any specific questions at this time. I just want to make sure we've got the like search and rescue tool. So when we get to engineering, we don't have to quote unquote hack the system. Okay. Did anybody wish to spend momentum at this time to glean additional information, or are you all, or are you all content? I'm content at this point. I'm good for now. I think we've got everything we can. Okay. As you're looking at the console right before you leave the control room, Solari, you notice that there's a quick flash, and a message appears on the console not your typical L cars. It's like literally something kind of blanks out the L cars and and a message just appears. And that message says, meet me in stellar cartography. 
is and the then cursor waiting to... And then it flashes back to the L cars where it was. Okay. I was going to see if it was a two-way communication. Okay. If I see that, then I will report report back to Captain that we received some type of message to meet an unknown individual in stellar cartography, but it appears all commands have been rerouted to main engineering. The only thing this console is able to do at this point is just close the main shuttle bay door. Very good. I still think we should proceed to main engineering and try and stabilize the power situation and regain control of the ship. But it's good to know that there's something going on in stellar cartography. Okay. You said uh, our tricorders were like medium range? No, hand range. They're close. Like you have to be adjacent to or in touch with something. Oh, okay. Never mind then. Captain? Yes, Chief. Um, hold on a second. I would like to try an experiment. Okay. What's on your mind? I'd like to see how these subspace anomalies are affecting our phasers. Absolutely. Find like an open, clear space, set my phaser on its lowest level, and fire it at an empty bulkhead, and just see how far the beam gets, see if it gets disrupted at all. Beam fires. While you're doing this, I'd like to take out my tricorder and kind of measure around you while you're while you're doing this. Ooh, I like that. You fire the beam, no problem. Doesn't seem to have any particular challenges. Sighting is a little more challenging. That's that difficulty we spoke about earlier. This is there's no threat here, so you're able to do run the experiment. From an analysis standpoint, you're able to determine that whatever challenges subspaces is creating it is not impacting the particular modulation of okay um, good good to know and with that experiment does anybody wish to spend any momentum to learn anything extra speaking of i know the operations manager role has the ability if they're using a tricorder they generate a bonus momentum that they can use to obtain information Okay, that's good, Scott. You may want to write that down. <laughs> yeah, I had. I thought we had to roll in order to generate momentum, though. Oh, succeed at a task. Yeah, I yeah. Got am I mistaken? Yeah, there's no, no challenge there, here. So. There's no challenge with this. I'll tell you what, because I like the. I want people to be able to utilize their abilities, and this for the audience. We are running this a version of the Starter Adventure box set so that we can all learn the game together. Joe has played before. The rest of us are doing this. Myself as a GM and then everyone else's players for the first time. Uh, I believe that's correct. Dave, you haven't played before, have you? Correct. I have not. Okay. I think Dave, like me, has, and Scott, we've all had books for about six months to a year as we've been building collection, waiting for the opportunity to play. But we, this is the first one. Sometimes you're all in before you even sit at the table. I think that's how this works. But my goal is, in addition to us having fun and playing, is also to learn how to do these things. And as we leave this pilot episode, then we're going to get into more directed narrative like we're sitting down playing the game. So a lot of what we're doing in this first couple of episodes is going to be how to play and how to best utilize. We're going to call it a difficulty one task so that you have the ability to roll and generate that and potentially generate that additional momentum to get that, uh, th those additional uh, facts. Okay. Um, so I would use reason and engineering. Okay. I assume. Yeah, that makes sense. Can I roll um, to assist? Absolutely. By, say, adjusting the frequency of the phaser beam so we can get more information? Certainly. 
So a couple different. Spin the dial while we fire it. Yep. Yep. Yeah. A couple. Of, was it fan that smoke wagon? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, that's what we call cowboy diplomacy. I I definitely think that's going to be a a reason and engineering. I think you're both working along the same set of principles here to get the facts about what's go, what's going on. Actually, Scott, I think yours would be more reason and science on your end, Scott. They're and, equal in both, so either yeah. either is fine. Yeah, and then Dave, yours would be reason and engineering because you're actually manipulating the physical technology to Use produce it. the effects. So. So um, I have a 11 reason for science to so give me a 15. I have a 15 and a seven. So that's two successes and you generate momentum for the purposes of learning additional information. And so my reason in engineering is 14 and I get a 14. Sweet. Excellent. Excellent. So we get three successes. I'm going to tack that around to our moment. We Maximum of six momentum. Is that what I re- recall so correctly? We, so there can only be six momentum in the pool at the end of a task. But we generate the momentum that we generate and yep. then we can spend. So at this point, Scott, you might as well spend the free one you get and the seventh one we've generated because it's going to go away anyway. So you ask two questions at least. Okay, so I would try to uh, obtain information. Sure. So you get two additional questions based on the experiment you're running that that'll help you with the subspace issue. The way obtain information works mechanically is that for each momentum a player spends, they're allowed to ask the GM a question that the GM must answer truthfully. Now it doesn't have to be the complete answer. It doesn't have. You can't be all like. Tell me what's going on here. You can, the GM can, but whatever the GM narrates, the answer be is considered reliable narration truth for the yeah. scene we're in. Okay. So if I was to spend two for obtaining information, based off the current, it has to be information related to the experiment I ran or just the scenario that we're in? I would say the scenario that you're in because you're encompassing all of your inputs and this experiment. So however you wish to narrate to get to your question, you may, but you've got a wealth of information to base your question on. And this experiment is informing that. So you might be observing something about the experiment that gives you a theory about some other elements entirely. So it doesn't have to be terribly focused on the experiment, but somewhat tangentially associated would probably make narrative sense in a techno babbly way. Yeah. Because the GM can has the option to say at the answer to the question that like there is an acceptable answer is there is no way you can know that information at this time. Yep. So that's his way of but you we also would then know that we don't know what we don't know. Yeah. Okay. Probably my first question then would be to given the state of everything, it's pretty safe to assume that the ship appears to have been evacuated. Base of everything I've seen from the from the, the console, but there's some type of element that remains behind. Yes, you can surmise pretty reasonably that at least there has been some form of evacuation, and that there is some sort of internal to the ship issue or problem. What that is, you don't have enough information to get to at this point. And it's pretty safe to assume that the experimental drives on this ship is what rendered subspace in this area. Or has caused the interference. 
I must consult the bones. Stump uh, the GM right out the gate. Yeah, without knowing a lot about the experiment specifically, but knowing the what it was about, like you don't know the details, the parameters, what they were specifically working with and manipulating, but knowing what it was about, it makes sense that this either created the subspace issue or failed because of the subspace issue. What you're not able to determine right now is what caused what, but they are certainly there is certainly an impact. So whether the subspace caused this or this caused the subspace, that's the piece you can't tell. But they are okay. definitely and specifically related. Now, using my rapid hypothesis talent, I would be able to ask two or more questions, obtain, I may merely create an advantage that represents, how would I create this advantage that represents a theoretical understanding? They try to start to frame what's happened here in a way that can be explained. Do you have rapid hypothesis? Yes. That is nice. So for the audience who's listening, I'll read it out if you don't mind, Limonika. No, please do. You are quick to devise a working theory about an unknown phenomenon's nature, origin, or effect. Once per scene, when you ask two or more questions using obtained information, you may immediately create an advantage that represents your theoretical understanding of the subject of those questions. Mechanically, you would create a trait advantage and you would idolate something that's narratively appropriate. So you're like, so based off of your thoughts, Scott, that you're thinking uh, something, it's what the experiment is causing this. So your difficulty to study this phenomenon in the future would be minus one difficulty because of your past experience with warp field and warp field dynamics. Okay, that makes more sense. Yeah. Okay, great. Thank you. So anytime we're delving into that, just remind me that you have a reduced difficulty when you're taking on those tasks. Okay, thank you. All right. So your experiment has yielded some information to your ops officer, and how do you proceed? I I share with my I show my I try quarter to to Cadet Tanari to consult, and he, a lot I'm sure head nodding and scratch your head. Oh, that's very interesting, and and what and, happened? And, and, and then we can report back our findings to the captain. It makes as much sense to me as anything else when you start playing around with the warp drive. All right. With that, you you all are on to exiting the shuttle bay. That door, you're going to need the hand actuators to pry that door open at this point. Okay. Good thing we brought along some security officers. As you are operating that, the hand actuator breaks. Redundant hand actuator on the other side of the door? I spent two threat to create the complication of the hand actuator breaking. Is what ha- is what took place behind the scenes me- mechanically with the game. So I am now down to six threat. This creates the difficulty to get the door opened. You all have to determine how you're going to do. So. Okay, reach into the engineering kit, pull out a couple of self-sealing stem bolts, and let's get it fixed. I will give that as a control okay. engineering. And while Avidian's doing that, I'll lean over to Scott and say, Scott, I haven't had a chance to look at your personnel file, but like on a scale of one to five, how good do you think you are with a phaser? I'm more of a study as opposed to shoot. I was getting that. Okay. 
And Lewanika. Yes. Would my improvisation focus count for this? Absolutely. Okay. So you said control and engineering? That is correct. So that's a 14. I have an 8 and a 9. So that's two successes. Two successes. The difficulty of the subspace is not impacting this task at all. So you are quite successful. You are able to put the device together and get the door open without too much more difficulty. All the while generating, you would have generated additional momentum, which you can spend at this time because you do successfully generate it, but you're still currently at your max of six. So what was the difficulty of the task? Because normally mechanically, and they've added in the GM's guide, the amount of threat you spend when you build the complication behind the scenes. So normally oh. would make it a difficulty too, but they also added in an optional GM rule that you can spend more threat to make the difficulty of the obstacle make more narrative sense to be more challenging. Oh, okay. That's so good to know. my two successes so meets your two threat. And so we're good and nice and even max six. Got it. Because in the right. original rule book, it was just spend two to create a complication. But yeah. they were like, do a little more. They expanded on the GM's guide saying, if you want to, not all complications are created equal. And so you can spend more threat to make it more difficult to overcome it. All right. So the door is open. Once you, and as you go through, scorch marks all over the corridor walls, damaged power couplings, spark beneath broken, burnt out panels. On the decks, there are the dead bodies of seven Starfleet crew members. I would like to take out my, fa- my uh, tricorder and walk up to the scorch marks and start to try to measure the, the whatever caused the ablation and try to determine the, what type of energy pattern would have created these. Saklar does not wait. It's the medical officer you have, she doesn't wait for orders. She literally worms her way through the front of the line and immediately goes to the first body that she sees. And I direct one security officer down, that you cover that way down the hall, the other one that way. Okay. Through the area. And we're going to start with Scott. You, you're very e- easily able to determine that this is disruptor fire. Captain, I'm picking up traces of uh, disruptor. Phases out, everyone. Do we know who's, what style of disruptor? Who's disruptors? Ooh, can that be a momentum spend to obtain more information? It sure can. But your operations officer, you get a bonus one, right? Yes. All right. So spending the bonus one in this particular case uh, still leaves you at six, if I'm understanding that correctly. So, yes, you can definitely tell this is Romulan disruptor fire. So Clark reports back that the these officers have been dead for at least a at least a week. The ship's been overdue for only three days, right? No, it was over three days when they when they dispatched you all. By the time we entered into scene, you were short, very close. But yeah, it's been a, it's been it was three days out when they decided to send help into the vicinity. Right. Yeah, there were three days overdue. Okay. And that was about a week ago. Oh, okay. Yeah, definitely no one's splitting up until we get whatever is causing this comms interference taken care of. Saklar, she does check each of the bodies, and they are spaced out. You can see that they were spaced at variant places around, like uh, going down the hallway. 
and they were and she's kind of looking around and seeing where they were hit and but she's dismayed that she's not able to do much more than look at so just uh, like quickly i have a focus in strategy and tactics that this looks like they were defending uh, evacuation as they were trying to keep anyone from getting into the shuttle bay right correct Using our tricorders with the download of the schematics for the ship, the layout, if you will, where is actual carto- or yeah, the cartography in reference to the engine room? They are two different areas of the ship. You basically okay. have to go to two different directions. I was hoping one might have been on the way to the other. <laughs> <laughs> It was a dream. <laughs> it's a great effort. Good idea. Do you continue towards engineering or do you go to astral cartography? I'm still leaning towards engineering, but that message is now that we know that this was there might be a possible survivor. I think maybe getting the intelligence that of what's been happened here might be immediately useful. Were we able to determine the roles of the the officers that died during the defense of the bay? That's a great question. There are two two officers in ops uniforms. Based on their belt and equipment, they look like they were security. There is one science officer. They have near them a now broken medical tricorder. So it looks like they were shot while running. They had a medical tricorder and that tricorder was damaged upon impact. And there is a, that's, there's a command, an ensign and a command red. And there are two others in ops, ops gold. So no, Good, good calls. Sorry, and none of these are captain or commander and officer, right? No, there. You have everybody in this corridor is an ensign, except for that medical personnel who is a lieutenant. Captain, with the skeleton crew, it's reasonable to assume it would be a member of the senior officers that would be left in the on the ship. Maybe, perhaps. I also suggest. Caution, Captain, since we don't know who is where. All the it was reported that all the commands were sent to engineering, but yet somebody is communicating from the other end of the ship. But maybe they saw us coming in and they're trying to warn us what's going on first. Vivian, you got any thoughts on engineering or stellar cartography? For obvious reasons, I'm leaning towards engineering. The sooner we can get power up. At the very least, we can get back in contact with our ship. And at least if we get power up, maybe we can get internal sensors online. Or get starting working on it while we track down what's ever going on in stellar cartography. Mm. Yeah, let's make our way to engineering. Anyone who notices, you don't know whether it's because he knows this is a simulation or if it's from his past experiences, but like the scattered dead bodies have zero effect or impact on Sabian at this moment. Same with Arza. And actually, that was something I was going to ask, was if there was any crew reactions to seeing simulated dead bodies. That's a fantastic question. Would you kindly roll me an insight command? Okay. So these are 2d20s again? Yep. Difficulty is one, because 
people try to hide when they're feeling away. So insight and command. They are both below my number. So how does this work? Do I tell you what my number, my total is, and then tell you what I rolled? Or okay, so I was going for a thirteen. Okay. Command. Yes, I was going for a thirteen, and I rolled a seven, and I rolled an eleven. Okay, so that's two successes. Now this is an opposed challenge, actually. So it's less of a difficulty. It's your successes versus their successes in this particular case. So if anybody is actually trying to hide their reaction you would effectively roll your, I would say, presence and command in this particular case. And Sakar, by the way, is definitely trying to hide her reaction. And hers is going to be a nine. She only has one success, so you're able to see that she is a bit shaken. This has thrown her off her game a bit. She will have some. She will have additional difficulty for a period of time, the length of the scene, because the just the graphic nature of the hollow death was rough on her. Despite the fact she's in medicine, this is what she's training for. You know, she's done all the studies and all the clinicals and all of those types of things. She has not seen combat damage in such a visceral way, and the holodeck simulation is exceptionally poignant. Weak old bodies are not the most pleasant environment to be around. The limited life support has slowed that process considerably, but not quite enough. <laughs> She's not doing well with that. I was going to say, Tanari's Randorian, his heart's on his sleeve. Great question. Good, good observations. As you move towards engineering, the corridors are dimly lit from the glow of the red emergency lighting. Ahead, I assume you've also got palm beacons. I turn the flashlight on the back of my tricorder on. Yeah. Actually, like the ones have that. If we're using those palm flashlights, I'm going to take it off my palm and I'm going to hold it in my hand okay. as expected. Try uh, keep tricorder in the other hand. <laughs> The corridors are dimly lit from the glow of the red emergency lighting. You find three more dead Starfleet officers. You do recognize them from the mission brief. This is Captain Kelly, his first officer, Commander Dandrick, and the Chief of Security, Lieutenant Talau. As you examine the bodies, a disruptor blast scorches the wall beside you. You look up and four Romulans at the other end of the corridor. 